I'm quite happy being the oldest gig in town. I mean, I think actually I probably have so much to learn and I know I do on a daily basis from them. I think my generation, the people that I grew up with were always intensely curious, you know, and we couldn't always find our information online. So I think one of the biggest things that I would kind of pass on is look up, switch off, go to an exhibition, take yourself out of the rabbit hole occasionally. Welcome to Fashion Forum, a series brought to you by the British Fashion Council, aimed at creating positive change and highlighting the relationship between the creative industries, celebrating not only fashion designers, but the broader creative community. I'm Susan Bender-Whitfield, Creative Director, Stylist and Contributing Editor to British Vogue, and today the host of this episode, discussing the role and representation of Generation X within the fashion industry. Now, it feels like there's a wide community that's left out the conversation and overlooked in favour of the digitally adept millennial and Gen Z consumers. And also, um, Generation X, they have the highest online purchasing power in fashion compared to Gen Zs, but also they're comfortable with digital media channels and are really well versed in um, social media and research to find the products that they want. And today I'm joined by two guests and they will introduce themselves and their roles in the industry. And as always, we always start with why fashion? So how did you choose fashion? What do you love about fashion? And how did you get into the industry? So first off, I'll start off. Why fashion? Why did I get into fashion? I think fashion for me was always a fantasy, a dream. I grew up watching loads of movies, black and white movies, invitations of the cinema. I read a lot. So I was always obsessed in some sort of way with clothing and, and how it can change a person's point of view, perspective, mood. And I literally fell into fashion after studying fashion, marketing and PR. And then I worked in the music industry and I watched how fashion can actually shape the vision of your sound and your look. And I was just obsessed. So I decided to learn more about the industry and fell into it by working with a stylist called Charlotte Stockdale on a couture shoot for Harper's Bazaar, which was like a real baptism of fire because I absolutely, I had a light bulb moment that this is fashion. This is what I need to get into. I didn't understand the industry and that you could be a stylist. I always thought you just had to be a designer or a buyer and I wasn't that good at drawing and I wasn't very good at maths either. So I'm glad there was the role of a stylist. <laughs> So Lucinda, tell us about your journey. Well, I'm Lucinda and I'm co-founder of Collagerie and co-founder of Colville. Collagerie is a digital online shopping platform and Colville is a designer luxury brand. Yes. Why fashion? I think because we have to get dressed every day and we might as well do it with conviction and excitement and attitude. Yeah, I agree with you, Susan. I didn't really think there was such a thing as a fashion career for me. I mean, I never bought magazines, they were far too expensive. But I think 
I was always pretty obsessed with clothes and mm. was taught how to make them by my mother and always made my own clothes and still do cut everything up. Fashion and particularly clothes are sort of, they're an outward expression of how we feel inside. So mm. I think fashion is about creativity and about collaboration. It's about transformation. And I guess what I really love is transforming things. So whether that's a shoot or designing a clothing line or whether that's doing a show to succeed in making people dream a little bit, I think is quite a magical thing. How fashion, I was at art college. I was pretty bad, I have to say. I was the most untalented person there. And I knew it at the time and I knew who was good and I knew I wasn't good. But I discovered the Perspex room. So I started making jewellery and one of my pieces made its way into a magazine called Miss London and somebody told me about it. And I couldn't believe that something I had touched and held and made suddenly was on a model. To me, that was like such an impossible dream. It kind of was a light bulb moment because I thought, okay, so there's a process that somebody made something and boom, it was in a magazine. And it was Mm -hmm. so electrifying to me. I just thought I've got to find out about this process. And that's what made me really delve into magazines and the fact that there, as you say, Susan, that there even was a job. I mean, most of my mother's friends, when I said I was a stylist, thought I was a hairdresser. I mean, <laughs> I just didn't know that you could have a career like this. So I was like, I'm going to do everything I can to do with fashion and to inch my way closer to this magical world of magazines. Yeah. So that's what I did. And that's what I set out to do. And, you know, made costumes for the Edinburgh Festival, worked in Topshop. And then I rung up Vogue and said, can I come along? <laughs> <laughs> And, and the rest was, is history, as they say. I'm not sure about that, but I think I was a, it was a very lucky day. It was a very lucky day. How amazing. What a great journey you've had. And Joanne, how about your journey into fashion and your why? My journey into fashion uh, really began with uh, my parents were from Jamaica, West Indies, and were very influenced by being able to present yourself properly the British way. My great grandons and my mom, they had impeccable style. They provided me with lots of reading material, for example, Ebony mm-hmm. and Chet. Um, Ebony Fashion Flare was one of my favorite issues every year. I looked forward to that. You know, and growing up in Harlem, Harlem was always a very fashionable place. If you go back and you take a look at some of the photographs from the 40s and 50s, the men were impeccably dressed. The women were impeccably dressed. Yes. You know, Sundays coming out of church, the hats, yes. the furs, the coats. It was just marvelous. And, you know, one of my uh, very special memories was going into my grandaunt's bedroom and looking through her closet and you know, touching the tweeds and the silks. So all of these things influenced me within fashion and that's why I love fashion. Getting into the industry, I started out in retail as a young woman because I wanted to be able to afford the fashion. So I left there and worked as a assistant bookkeeper, then moved on to a showroom manager mm-hmm. and a sales professional. So um, that was my entry into the actual fashion world. But as far as modeling is concerned, that's a very different story. I was walking down the street in Chelsea during the summer. My husband and I um, would walk through the various boroughs or various areas of Manhattan 
just to check out and see what had changed, you know, look for our old favorite haunts. That was part of what we did in the city. Hmm. And a photographer, streetwear photographer, stopped me and uh, asked if I would do a photo. And I said no, because I was having a bad hair day. At least I thought so. <laughs> and um, my husband encouraged me. And I said, I'll only do it if you do it with me. And he said, sure, because we made such a gorgeous couple, by the way. Um, he said, sure. And we went to stand by a brick wall and get photographed. And as soon as the photographer went to click the camera, my husband moved out of the way. So, but then that was my husband. Um, uh, that from that time, uh, I was, they asked me to be a part of a video which was dispelling beauty myths and it was all regarding aging. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised when it actually came out because I had no clue. I, I mean, I still consider myself a novice at all of this. And so I had no clue. Um, when the video came out, I was featured alongside Norma Kamali and Michelle Angela Davis. And I was just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I <called laughs> you know, yes, I, I mean, you know, um, amongst the icons, um, Allure, the following year after that ran Allure, separated my portion of the video and released it independently. And that went viral. Um, the rest is history. So how long were you at the time? When, how old were you at the time when you were scouted? 64. Oh, incredible. And you'd never considered modeling before. Well, back in the day when I was thinking about modeling. Yeah. It was just the height requirement was five six. Yeah. And black models were not featured on the cover of Vogue. No, that's very true. Joni, can I just say I can't imagine you having a bad hair day? Just, <laughs> oh, it happens often, but yes, thank you. <laughs> and so taking on that that role of, you know, being a model at 64 how did you um, navigate that you know i felt it was a new career and and again back when this all happened my husband really encouraged me to do this but i had to and i find myself you know regularly still learning a lot of things about the industry as the industry looks at the next big thing and celebrates youth culture are we overlooking the mid-olds age 45 plus Joanne, do you think you feel represented uh, and marketed to in the fashion industry at all? Well, you know, anyone who is of my level uh, would say, no, there's not enough representation. Consumers over 60 are the one of the highest spending uh, categories. They have a lot more expendable income and you know, are willing to make certain types of purchases and, you know, whether it's luxury or not, they're willing to make certain types of purchases. And besides Generation X, let's talk about the baby boomers. Let me say that it started to change back in 2018. When I got started, right. there were quite a few models that I met who were of the same age, the same level as I was and being sought after. 
Lucinda now has her own brand, but also is still involved in styling and you know, involved in fashion shows and catwalks. You've worked for Marnie for many years as well. Have you felt a similar thought? I've seen a lot of, of the supermodels come back. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. the Naomi's, Kate's, Linda Evangelista. She was recently on the cover of Vogue. Yeah. We've also had Dame Judi Dench on the cover of Vogue. I think it is shifting. I have to say from an industry that was pretty youth obsessed, yes. which I think the fashion industry absolutely was. I think luxury brands, I mean, well, just to put it into context, as people age, you know, their purchasing potential increases. So I think people from high street to luxury actually are waking up to this. I think possibly not quick enough and not, as Johnny says, not representative enough yet. But I think economics talk and I do think they are slowly changing, both on the runway and in beauty campaigns and high street campaigns. I have seen a lot more age diversity, for sure. I mean, I read a statistic that the sort of fashion and beauty unwillingness to not address Generation X and baby boomers, you know, Jenny's right, baby boomers shouldn't be ignored at all. Mm. But I think, you know, it apparently will cost them over 15 billion, you know, over the next two decades, which, you know, I think, I think... It's a wonderful thing that when we become a kind of age, that it doesn't mean anything anymore. I mean, personally, I have to mm-hmm. say, and this is true of both Collagerie and Colville, and it was true when I, I mean, I worked at Prada for 10 years and at Marnie. You know, what I loved was using older women, because actually what I find really interesting about faces and bodies is, is to see life experiences written on them. For me, photographing an 18-year-old kid probably wasn't as interesting as photographing a six-year-old or a 45-year-old or a 40-year-old or a 35-year-old because I love seeing that emotionality and intelligence and life experience not only written on your face but also written on your body. You know, for me, that made a more interesting picture. But I often realise I was was sort of a bit alone in that. But I think think also, having worked for these big houses over such a long time, We always used the same models over and over again because it was like a family, you know. So every year, every season, these women would come back. And I loved I loved seeing them a bit older and, you know, having had a baby, not having a baby, going through divorce. Go, I mean, I just felt it was exciting to go through life experiences with them and build up relationships. So, you know, I've always found the ageing process an exciting one. Which I think a lot of the, as you're right, a lot of the industry is moving slowly towards that and reacting because I think they also realise that, you know, the spending power of, you know, baby boomers and Generation X, they were around at the time where, you know, they can maximise on uh, how much money they earn, that, you know, that they're earning potential. So Mm. therefore they are affluent. Mm. And these are the, even though we have the millennials and Gen Zs that are buying into luxury, they will not invest as much as baby booms and uh, Generation Xs. Well, I, th- I, th- I, think, I think Generation X and baby boomers really care about, they really care about, as they should, about quality. Yes. You know, how something's made, where something's made, the story behind it. I think they really care about that. I think I've noticed it with like my sons, my youngest son's age, they really care about it too. You know, mm. the younger generation really, really luckily could care, you know, they really care about sustainability and the backstory. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I think if you care about where something's made and then you'll, you know, and the usefulness and the purposefulness and the beauty of the product, then 
you are thinking about the luxury market? We're always we're bombarded with uh, headlines um, about the spending power of millennials and Gen Zs with luxury brands continuing to focus and and attract the younger audience, younger customers. There's something that you see within your customer base at Colville, Lucinda. Well, I wouldn't say anybody's typical in our customer base. I mean, Colville, you know, it's for sort of very independent minded people who you know love color and texture when I think of the women who shop at collagery I mean you know our age range really runs between 25 and 65 but it's huge in the 25 and 34 but also the 55 to 65 I mean you know I hate to sort of sound like a cliche like age is a number I mean in my head I'm not 62 I'm I'm anything, you know, I'm, I can be anything to, as long as I fall in love with a piece and know it has longevity. And so I think it's just being very, very respectful of your customer mm-hmm. and always surprising and delighting them really, and bringing something that they wouldn't have otherwise seen. And do you find that you're uh, both customers, well, you said you've got sort of like three customer bases, but your younger clients and your older customers, do they buy the similar uh, products? How do you advertise your product? Is it uh, photographed on a younger model or um, an older one? How do you communicate? So email is our biggest form of communication at Collagery, and we have nearly double the average open rate. And interestingly, that open rate isn't with, you know, necessarily with Gen Z. It is with millennials, Gen X and baby boomers. You know, I think people sort of think, oh, Gen X and baby boomers are not tech savvy. They are. They are. We have huge open rate. Personally, I was very late to Instagram and didn't do it until way after I left Vogue. But it's it's a fabulous meme of communication. You can DM people. You can connect with your customer directly. Social media is very much its own, its own animal, I'm going to say that. You know, I was given an award by a Harlem organization, So Harlem. And one of the people who follow me, who is of my level, who lives in a different state, drove in to come and support me. But it's amazing to me that connection without having connection. So yes, social media has has taken fashion and just connecting to a whole new level. Yeah. It's allowed us to to create global communities from, you know, your lap. You can create really important relationships, authentic relationships, I think, as well. What do you think we can learn from our generation, the Gen Xs? I don't know if it's for me to say. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I work in an office and they're pretty, you know, they're all quite young. And I often think, my God, I'm just like the oldest gig in town. But then I'm quite happy being the oldest gig in town. I mean, I think actually I probably have so much to learn and I know I do on a daily basis from them. I think my generation, the people that I grew up with were always intensely curious, you know, and we couldn't always find our information online. Mm. So I think one of the biggest things that I would kind of pass on is look up, switch off, go to an exhibition, take yourself out of the rabbit hole occasionally, just to feed the mind, you know, and feed the eyes. I I think there's that. But I also never want to sound like I'm a, you know, 
it was all great in my day because I think there's something to learn from every different generation. You know, I think I think we all learn from each other, whatever age we are. I really do. You just have to keep an open mind. Lucinda, do you think there is um, something that uh, the millennials can learn about sustainability from Generation X? Well, in my experience, and I know this from my kids and my kids' friends, is they're really interested in sustainability and where something comes from. I've always been interested in craftsmanship and artisanal workmanship throughout my career, really. So I think we have a lot to teach each other. But I think what's particularly brilliant about now and is that that question is always asked. Nobody can ignore it anymore. I think they really want to know where they're putting their money, you know, and what they're spending it on. And it's going to be something that's worthwhile. As I've said before, I look after something that I've bought in Zara as much as I cherish something that I've got at Colville. You know, that I just care about what I buy. And I think I've always done that. But I think the younger generation are really sort of turning their attention and have turned their attention towards this. They are very aligned, actually, in their way of thinking and their way of shopping, which one wouldn't think that they would mirror each other, which is interesting thing for, you know, designers and brands out there, how to communicate that. Do you feel the same, Joanne? I go back and I think about the closet of my great-grandmother. What I didn't know or, or, or understand back then was that everything old is new again. Investing in quality. You know, I think about if I had bought a Huntswoman's blazer back when I was 30, mm. I could be pulling it out today and be looking really, really sharp. Also, be mindful of fast fashion. Lucinda talked about the whole concept of sustainability. That's where we find a lot of the young people thrifting so I do think that they understand and are looking for quality, yes, but at a good price. Also, Lucinda mentioned something earlier. You know, if you do invest in quality, learn how to care for it so it does have longevity. And, you know, even if you decide that you're really tired of it, you can always resell it. And it's a good way to earn money as well for some people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We have so much to learn from every generation. And as they say, each one, teach one. I know that I'm learning a lot coming into the the modeling world at the age when I started. Modeling had changed so dramatically from what I used to know modeling to be with all technology and, and you know, uh, procedures. So I'm learning and I'm learning from the younger models. You know, and and thank goodness they're willing to share their experience and expertise with me. My last words are, for those of you who are listening, who, you know, are very much of a certain age or a certain level, um, one of my hashtags is gray hair don't care. It's about living life and enjoying life, no matter what age. Because we're all living longer, aren't we? So <laughs> we are indeed. We're just chickens. Before I finish our conversation, um, we've all shared about how and why. I'd like to know now. What does fashion mean now, and what's the future of fashion? Do you think? Quickly, Lucinda. Well, I think the future of fashion is just getting more and more transparent yes. and open. 
and collaborative and collective and connectivity mm-hmm. and all those things that have really grown and really accelerated in the pandemic. So I think storytelling and craftsmanship and, you know, just these vital collaborations with people will just get stronger and stronger and stronger. Yes. And Joanny? Um, I agree with Lucinda in terms of the collaborations. I also think that it's important for fashion to to really focus and, and add to their foundation the concept of diversity from every level, whether it is on the catwalk, in the magazine, or behind the scenes. And I think that adding that to the foundation and not just making it a trend, that's what I think and that's what I hope fashion is moving towards. Definitely. I think uh, I agree with um, both of your statements. Fashion definitely needs to be a lot more inclusive um, in every um, aspect of humanity that uh, they are represented and in diversity as well. And uh, for me, it's also size inclusion and also ability, physical ability inclusion, because uh, I think that that's quite an important issue that is uh, left out. And I think more innovations in connecting people and communities together. And I think, you know, that will happen a lot through through the next phase, which I think is very much AI and VR. VR is the future of me in fashion. And it's navigating that um, for the good and for the for the all. So thank you so much, Lucinda Chambers and Joanne Johnson, for joining me on this conversation. I'm Susan Bender-Whitfield, and you've been listening to the BFC Fashion Forum. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a friend. And if you want to discuss further, drop your comments at British Fashion Council on Instagram.